the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. to the final episode of our podcast series Brave. I'm Martin Saunders and with me as always Dr Kate Middleton. We're talking together about young people's mental health and well-being and how we help young people and how we help ourselves to emerge in a healthy way or as healthy way as possible from a global pandemic. How are you doing? Yeah I'm doing good thank you. Are you um, you ready for one more of these? You, you Absolutely. You've still got more wisdom to give? No let's go for it. Okay um, but it would be good just to sum up a little bit of the journey where we've been. So um, so we've talked about uh, tough stuff and helping young people to uh, sort of process everything that they've been through over the last 18 months. We've talked about control, identity uh, and then we're ending now talking about failure. Do you want to just give us a little little journey of where we've been so far. What we yeah, about. so we are coming out of pandemic and trying to understand how that's affected this generation of young people. But we're also looking at big topics that whatever moment in life or history you hit are challenges and questions and things that shape and form us and things that we can help young people manage to equip and enable them as they grow and, and as they go into this adult world that they do face whatever that may look like at the moment. So these are topics that we have picked up from talking to young people, but also from talking to leaders about what are the things that are difficult and what are the things that we could do with some wisdom and some exploration and and a sort of deeper understanding of to do them better. We are going to talk about another interesting topic today. Well, it's one very close to my heart Mm. and experience. And we're going to talk about failure, Mm. um, which is a very much a sort of... if we're honest, a dirty word in our culture, isn't it? The idea that you might fail. We're in a, you know, we're influenced very much from the American dream. And and it's all about achievement. It's all about what you can do. You can do anything in this world. So failure is a little bit sort of nasty shadow to all of that, isn't it? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because we don't really like to talk about it. We definitely don't like to experience it. At the same time, we all kind of know we're supposed to like fail really well, like fail Mm. forward, like throw yourself into this. So it's like it's the contrast between what we think we're supposed to be and what we actually are can sometimes feel quite big. So we're going to promise no dreadful sort of leadership quotes or, you know. No, let's see if we can avoid all of the cheesy quotes. No cheesiness. Um, But we also are aware that we failure is a part of kind of success, isn't it? Well, that probably is a um, cheesy leadership quote. Look, I've started with one. But but, Well, you've just written your own. But failure is just a part of life. Like everybody fails. Yeah, but it's difficult, isn't it? Like one of the things that we've talked about throughout this series so far is how life sometimes challenges the sort of foundational beliefs that we would like to live by, things we would like to be true. And and probably one of the biggest ones for us, particularly as adults, is we would like to be better people than we generally are. Like I've had so many circumstances in my life where I look back at I just think I would have liked to think that I would have done them better that I hadn't failed, that I hadn't been so limited. Yeah. It turns out I just I just wasn't quite the person that I wished I was. And that's failure, isn't it? Dealing with the mismatch between the fact that we all want to be better versions of ourselves that actually in reality in the moment we might be. So we, we, um, we talked just now about failure being a healthy thing, but coupled with failure, you've just started to sort of touched it there, is, is this idea of regret. Now, is regret a healthy thing? Can regret be 
healthy thing. Because again, you know, a, a sort of mantra in the world is like no regrets. Mm. You know? So, so yeah. is, can regret be a good thing? I I think one of the things about how we deal with failure is that processing challenge. It is thinking about it, coming to understand it, finding some closure around what happened, what we've learned from it, what we might do differently the next time, what we learned about ourselves. And, and, and that might involve processing and accepting some regret. Like, actually, I do wish I did this differently next time. I would do it differently. But the, the understanding is that that whole process, A, isn't negative, but B, might be a really key moment in your journey of not just exploring and understanding yourself, but releasing your full potential. So I have talked quite a lot through the last 18 months about a little passage from Romans 5, which is Paul's reflection on something he's understood about life. And he talks about moments when we're forced to endure under something, to persevere with something that's a bit rubbish, that's outside of our control. We talked control last week. We don't like things that are like that. But life throws all sorts of situations at us that we do have to deal with. And that might be difficult stuff, the tough stuff that we talked about in week one. It might be a challenge, something we don't know how to solve. And what Paul says is that it's in those moments when we're forced to endure, that's when we refine character. Because we're kind of forced to dig deep in those moments. And that's interesting if we just move away from ourselves and now think about the context of the young people that we're supporting, our own kids or the young people in groups or churches or schools or wherever that is. Because what that means is that in order for them to discover and learn some of the most important bits about themselves, we have to expose them to challenge. We have to potentially let let them fail and then do the difficult work of processing and understanding that. And, And we just need to support and enable all of that stuff. And that might be at odds with our real instincts as parents, which says, I just want to make it all better and make this go away. So it's an interesting thing for us to reflect and think about both for ourselves and how we manage yeah, failure, yeah. but also for how we support young people. So this is a, um, a pandemic question to some extent, but it's also there's a wider context to this. You know, young people often don't feel like they, they measure up. They feel like failures in our cultural context. They feel mm. like they're not succeeding on the sort of path that culture has laid out for them. So... So kind of why is that? Like why are they and what happens to them when they when they feel like they don't measure up? And and that's a really interesting context, isn't it? So what even do we define as failure? Because if we come into life with an expectation that what we should be able to do is be basically perfect or capable, get everything right the first time without ever trying or learning or messing up, we are going to be disappointed. And we're certainly going to feel like we're failing an awful lot of the time. And so that concept of what failure is and how it sits with our expectations is actually part of the interesting conversation and processing that we need to do. So to to draw the conversation back, back to ourselves and myself for a moment, for example, I know that I and many other adults in pandemic had this wonderful experience of, I just don't think I've ever felt like I was failing at so many things simultaneously at the same time. Yes, yes. Now... The, the problem there 
wasn't actually me. She says to herself, the problem was not you. The problem was that life had gone crazy and many things were outside of my control. I was dealing with more than I could actually manage in a moment. So I was just doing my best. I was just being human. The problem there wasn't that I was failing. It was my concept of what I should be able to do. Yes. And, and just letting myself drop my expectations a little bit. So I think that's what we need to understand. It isn't just failure is not a black and white thing. You're either failing or you're not. There's, yeah. there's some give in there and your understanding of what failure is, what you're aiming at in the first place. That's really important. And there's, there's a card game. It's quite popular at the moment called Flux. Have you played that Ooh, game? No, I haven't come across that. Uh, Partly because I hate all card games, but right. I'm just well, not that sort of, My husband would so love to play it with I'm you anytime. I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, but the, the idea of the game is that you play by a certain set of rules like you've got to um, uh, get rid of all your cards. So you're playing the game and you're doing really well and you're down to two cards. And then you pick up a card that changes the rules of the game. Oh, wow. And that, that's the whole idea. That's why it's flux. So that the... Um, the game keeps changing. The rules keep changing. And so you pick I up a card. I do think I might have to kill you if you made me play this yeah, game. But exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for control freaks, it's an absolute nightmare. And I, I speak from experience. Um, and so you pick a card and it says, now the object of the game is to collect seven cards. And you're like, no, I've just got down to two cards. I've just got rid of my cards. And so, and I wonder if that's what it's like for young people journeying through I'm actually starting to sweat as you're telling me. Yeah. Well, the nature of this game. Let's move it back to Please nobody ever buy me this game. So as a young person, you go through the different stages of, you know, it's vastly different being a teenager to a teenager. There's a moment where you don't care about other people from a sort of relationships perspective and suddenly it's all you can think about. And, you know, there's all these other pressures. and, and But the game, the rules of the game keep changing. They do. So how can you, how can you yeah. not fail? And that's one of the hardest things as well about the journey through adolescence for our young people is your brain is emotionally super reactive, but what triggers it? does keep changing so in in early adolescence that the opinions of other people have started to feel so important because up to that stage you're basically what we call egocentric so you basically only see the world from your own perspective mm -hmm. and then when you enter early adolescence and your brain starts to develop and change you suddenly realize other people have opinions on you yeah. And, and those opinions really matter because you're starting to form identity, which we'll talk about in the next um, session of the podcast. And, and so some young people in particular really struggle with that and that they get absolutely paranoid about like what people think. Don't they don't want to like, look like an idiot in front of their friends. They're, and so that that need to avoid that becomes so important. They feel like they're failing all the time. Then when you get a little bit older, it's more about your own identity, your perception of yourself. And then the it's about comparison. And, and then we start to hit some of the whole interesting stuff that you guys will have talked about before around social media. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, what you see on someone else's Insta feed or their TikTok video or whatever is, is the sort of 249th take that they That's did right. that they've also filtered and trimmed and edited. Like, they do not look that perfect on any given day. But that's what they post. And you, on your usual rubbish, messy day, compare yourself to that and you, you feel terrible. You only see their best. You see all of yourself. Include, and like, like, how much of your everyday life do you post on Instagram? I mean, you know, I struggle to come up with anything that looks good enough to go on there, Nothing to be honest. But yeah, so that question of what are you comparing yourself to? What, what is actually real? Like, mm -hmm. what should I be aiming at in order to feel like I'm doing this 
well. And it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of our sort of phrases that are popular right now, you know, we talk about nailing it. There's a whole girl boss thing for, for, for young women and girls, in, which is interesting. We could have a whole debate about whether that's positive or not. And I've heard some interesting conversation about that in the last week. But a lot of these things are about the question of what does it mean to succeed and fail? Where are the lines and how do I rate myself? And, and so we're touching, really, we haven't talked too much about self-confidence, self-esteem, um, you know, in, in the last couple of episodes, but I'm, it's probably good to talk about it now. You know, mm. what, what, I mean, what happens to your self-esteem when you're consistently measuring yourself against others and feeling like you don't measure up? And more positively, you know, what, what is it that we as, as those that work with young people can be doing to try to um, invest some some healthy stuff into the self-esteem of our young people mm, and and self-esteem and self-confidence and and what we talked about in the last pod which is about that understanding of your basic capability and ability and agency that's such an important gift that we can give young people as part of their identity mm. but in order to do that what we have to do is kind of expose them to to challenge if we make life too easy we will steal from them the chance to discover how capable they actually are but that does mean exposing them to the risk of failure and having to hold them in moments when things haven't gone the way that they hoped that they had and managing the difficult emotions that that go with that but but we do need to put them in positions where they they kind of play with the limits of their current ability mm. you know there's very few things in life that are worth doing that you could just do just like that without learning and without probably messing up and and i think what's interesting for us as as adults as, as parents, although this would drive my kids crazy, so I'm sorry if they're listening, but they won't listen. Why would they listen to this podcast? But anyway, sure if they, they are, are, then I'm sorry. But is is exposing them to that frustration and to difficulty and to challenge because it is about learning and growing confidence. So a lot of the things that we make our kids do, like learning instruments or doing hobbies or whatever, or just doing maths at school, mm -hmm. is about how do you handle failure how do you handle the moment where you don't know what to do or you didn't do as well as you hoped you would do and so creating safe spaces for that stuff is a good way for children and young people to start to explore but like so many of these things that we've talked about in this series it is about the conversations mm. more than it is about the clever thing that you did or the, the situation that you created so that your young people could learn it's more about okay this happened mm. What we need to do now is help them to hold it, help them to understand it, create a safe space they can have those conversations and explore what just happened. What does that mean mm -hmm. for, for who I am? Because sometimes things that we've perceived as failures were actually nothing to do with us. Some of the young people who are represented by people listening to this podcast may have experienced awful, horrendous things that were not their fault. Mm -hmm. But but feel like maybe they should have done something. Maybe they should have been able to change that. And, and I think some of those are the most difficult things for us to help young people process, where actually th this wasn't your failure. And, and it's, it's about an understanding of the world that is perhaps the toughest thing to understand, that sometimes bad things happen because they just do. And it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your failing. It wasn't anybody's fault or failing. What, what we need to do is just work out how we respond with the fact that that, that that sort of thing just can happen. Now, a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, um, I, I really want to help young people who are feeling like they're, they're struggling and they feel like they're failing, you know, but actually I feel like a failure right now as a leader, as someone who had a vision for working with young people. 
I feel like a failure. You know, for a lot of us, this is a very live issue, particularly coming mm. out of the pandemic. I imagine that, you know, I mean, I don't know a church youth work context that hasn't experienced some degree of pain, of of shrinkage, of um, of losing contact with young people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my context, we had reached very much the most exciting moment in that I could remember in our youth work. We'd really turned a corner and we'd really hit a point with our young people where where we felt like they were connecting the bits of their life together with God at the centre. And uh, that was February, March 2020. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And, and whatever we tried, we haven't been able to recreate and and keep that going um, over the course of the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, let's be honest, I feel a bit of a failure. I feel like oh, I could have done it differently. Mm. So these are really live issues for us as adults as well that we probably need to process before we help young people. It's a little bit put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah, a little bit. And, and let's be aware of how things like stress and exhaustion and anxiety affect your ability to do that sort of rationalising processing but also problem solving so failure is often like we're facing this thing and we can't think of a flipping thing to do about it and we feel like we should be able to solve it but if your brain is exhausted or stressed out or you're really struggling with anxiety your your rational mind is switched right down it's your mind is in a sort of emergency mode that says just just deal with the essentials now and and do the wider processing later so sometimes what we've got to do is is allow ourselves to recover a little bit so that we can get into a better headspace to really think clearly about what's happened. And I would say that for a lot of leaders now, the conversation I'm having most with leaders still in this moment is about, I just feel exhausted. I, I feel like I don't feel like myself. And when you're in that space, your ability to reflect well on what's just happened is is really limited. So often the first thing you need to do is think, what, what do I need to do for myself to get to a place where I can do that reflection better? And for an awful lot of people now, that is about some time, some rest, hopefully getting into a more regular rhythm and routine so that they can get some perspective, dropping your stress level so you can think more clearly. For young people too, that's often what we need to help them to do, particularly if they've hit something in a moment and they are freaking out or if we are freaking out because we do that sometimes. And just recognizing that that thing of just dropping your stress level, trying to calm your mind down, getting some rest, getting some distance, some headspace some perspective, whatever it takes and feeling your ability to problem solve starting to come back up because otherwise it feels like there's no solutions, not because there aren't any, but just because you can't think clearly. And for us with ourselves or with young people, enabling that problem solving in what can feel like quite irritating ways to ourselves or to young people. So brainstorming a list of, you know, the rules of brainstorming, you, you, you can't like throw anything out. You have to write everything down. That's good practice when you're in that panic space, because what you need to do is get your brain thinking again, saying what, okay, this feels hopeless, but here, what are the things I could do? I mean, I could just move to Australia and then it would all go away. Or I could just, you know, put writing down the ridiculous things because you're still helping your brain start to reflect then. So we can look at some really practical things that we can do to help ourselves manage challenge and spaces where we feel at risk of failure. But I think we also need to put ourselves in a good position to reflect. But 
Let me say the one actual wise thing that I'm going to say for this whole session. Oh, so this is your, because I was just about yeah. to ask you, what's your takeaway? What's your big In takeaway? In the midst of all this. Here it is. What we've got to do is understand that succeeding is not about never failing. It's about the foundation you build on and recognizing that we do what we do as people of faith who are loved by God no matter what. So do you know what? It's great on the days when it goes well and I do stuff that looks mildly impressive or preferably a little bit wise. But if I never did any of those things ever again, God would still love me for who I was. I don't need to earn that love. I don't need to earn his approval. I don't need to tick off boxes and get a good score to like get into heaven. You know, it just... The way that God works and thinks about us is so different from the world. And I think we would all benefit as adults and with our young people about just reflecting on that more. Yeah. What does it mean? You know, that verse that I talked about in Romans 5, what Paul talks about is how it all leads us back to hope. Mm. And, and, and a hope that will not disappoint because it comes from God. Mm. That's, that's the one thing that transforms our experience of failure. And to be honest, releases us to try more because we can risk more if it actually it's, it's okay. We can step into things that should be way out of our comfort zone, but still feel comfortable, safe and secure because we don't need to prove ourselves or, or, or not fail in order to be okay. And that's an interesting space. And to say to young people, what if... That was the truth, not the stuff that you hear that says, actually, do you know what? If you don't get like a million likes on that Instagram post, like, whoa, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. What if there's a, bit, a bigger story, a better story and a better way of understanding ourselves and these things? I um, think we've managed to make it all the way through this episode without any cheesy uh, leadership quotes. But I did. I heard this quote at the weekend from Tim Keller. And I'm not I'm not a uh, Tim Keller devotee. I don't think I've ever quoted Tim Keller in my life, but. Uh, he's the uh, minister of, I think, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. Is that, I may have just made that up. He might not be at all. Anyway, uh, he's a guy called Tim Keller. That's probably all you need to know. And he said that our identity in uh, Christ is um, received, not achieved. And that's the Ooh, sort of... rhymes and Isn't everything. that great? But I love that fundamental nice. distinction between, uh, you know, how the world looks on success and identity as something that you go and achieve what you just said is mm. we can we can rest in a sense on the fact that we know we've already received our identity. Yeah. And and I think we can model for young people what it looks like to love other people but also ourselves in a way that allows us not to be perfect. Mm. And and that I've reflected on a lot through pandemic both through seeing my own imperfections so starkly revealed by by just the pressure that we've been under but also hitting Spaces where, let's face it, because of the pressure of pandemic, other people haven't always been perfect. Other people have let us down. Relationships have been under pressure and have suffered and struggled. So what does it mean to love each other and, and to, to accept that people are not perfect? Sometimes we get stuff wrong. And to, and to do that in the context of, of, a, of a loving God and an ultimate security in a relationship that says, I, I never expected you to be. And that's okay. And a great way to wrap up this series so, Kate, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom uh, over the last four episodes. Uh, this has been a four-part series, so if you just joined us today, there's three more you can go back and find. Um, just tell people a little bit about Headstrong and how they can, if, if you found it back to front, as it were, if you found Brave back to front, then you know, tell us a bit about Headstrong. Yeah, if you're just exploring this podcast, and if you're interested in young people and well-being and this whole question of how do you support them to do life well in this crazy, chaotic, complex moment, 
Headstrong is a project that, that came out of pandemic to create an online space for young people where they could explore some of these questions. They could hear some good teaching and perspective, but also hear stories from other people who've journeyed through some of this stuff. So we're showing them what real life looks like. We're reassuring them as they face challenge. And we're also hopefully equipping them to deal with whatever they're facing well. And also there's some kind of fun stuff on there too for the low days or the dark days or the difficult days where they just need something to get them through or lift their mood or pass a moment. So it's at beheadstrong.uk. So it's worth checking out, sharing with your young people as well. Now there's just one more piece of business to attend to. Uh, Amy has painstakingly crafted uh, this uh, this piece of content for us. Took me hours. Amy, our producer, thank you for pulling this together. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for being here throughout. Um, and uh, and as I understand it, the score between myself and Doctor Kate, she's a doctor, of course she's ahead. Uh, she's winning. She's, uh, she's winning three two, but there's two to play. So what yes. are we doing? Okay, so the final instalment of the How Brave Are You quiz uh, finishes off with these two scenarios. Uh, I'll start off with the first one because it's a bit lower stakes. <laughs> um, so you accidentally swing your car door open too hard and it scratches the car beside yours. Mm-mm. What do you do? Um, the options are drive away and pretend nothing happened. Wait until the car owner comes out to apologize and accept responsibility or leave a note on that person's car with your contact info and then run away. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, I can feel like legal implications <laughs> of this answer. This is maybe a bit hitting too real. me at a later date. I think I would not wait to see them because I I saw this unfold the other day. Someone in the leisure centre car park uh, that where where I was just taking my kids swimming had let their car kind of slide backwards and crash into a. Um, a Mercedes, and they, mm. they 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 got the guy to come out, and of course he was a massive weightlifter, and he was furious. But the guy had actually shown real kind of integrity by instead of driving off, he'd gone in and yeah. said, "Can you put a call out oh, for the driver?" Good. But the guy was not happy. So I've seen that play out. So I'm not doing option B. So I think I'd leave a note um, because I otherwise I'd feel tremendous guilt. I think this is the whole like better version of myself like question that we've been talking about because i i want i really want to believe that i would leave a note and i I think i would probably have to because you know i'm like a churchy person you kind of have to do the right thing don't you i think i'd inspect it quite carefully like how visible is the damage is it really i must say i'm coming at this from the context of someone who drives quite a battered car that really doesn't look very pretty and has quite a lot of marks and dents on it mostly from my husband hitting things that he says were not there when he got into the car but came from nowhere, you know, like yeah. trees or telegraph yeah. poles, movable things that appear <laughs> as if from nowhere. So I'm quite relaxed about small scratches. But like you say, if you've hit some kind of Merc or like one of those really shiny Audis, yeah. then I think you'd probably have to fess up. My mum once uh, accidentally, I don't even know quite how she did it, but she she was reversing and she must have not realized that she'd done it at the time, but basically she drove off and then realized that she had someone else's number plate at the back <gasps> bumpers of her car. She caught it. Yes. But she, by the point she realized she was nowhere near where she'd been before. She had no idea where it came from. <laughs> so she just took it off and threw it away. Oh, Amy's mum. 
Oh my goodness, that's quite Exposed. tricky. I got caught in a car park the other day because we have—I have been honest about what a shambles I am in general in this pod already. Uh, trying to get into a car that wasn't mine, brilliant, <laughs> because there was a car quite close and I was quite distracted. And I'd press the button and I couldn't understand why the door wouldn't open. And in my like slightly stressed out pandemic space headspace, I was like wrestling with it. And this very nice lady came up and said, "Excuse me, but what are you doing to oh, my car?" Gosh. And I was like, "Your car." Oh. oh. <laughs> Look, I feel of, like I have to give you both a point. Well, for no, that. for the sake of dramatic tension, can't oh. I get the point? All right, sorry, Martin. You and can then, have the point. And then it's three all. Oh, they're three all. Oh, yeah, all to on. play for it in the all final scenario. Fall. How yeah. exciting! <laughs> okay, um, the last scenario is a bit more dramatic. Uh, so you're in the bank, and uh, a bank robber bursts in oh, no. and tells everyone to get down on the floor. But twist, you can clearly see that his quote-unquote weapon is made of plastic and totally fake so do you call him out for his toy weapon and pepper spray him in the eyes assuming that you're carrying carrying pepper spray in this scenario you You keep it next to your alligator Uh, or do you lay down to the ground and stealthily dial the police with your mobile phone or do you just lay down and comply with his demands safe in the knowledge that it's a plastic gun Look, I'm going to be, I, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to win now. Yeah. But, but I think if I knew for sure it was a plastic gun and he wasn't too huge, I think I'd rugby tackle him. Wow. Just imagine the kudos you'd get This from is people. that line of duty version of you that we've come across before. <laughs> people who've only listened yeah. to this, but this pod will not know what we're talking about. You need to catch up on the earlier episodes. But I would, if genuinely, just for very selfish Talk reasons. Talk about identity. Yeah, for very selfish reasons. If I, if I thought... Look, people are going to think, how could he have known? Because I'm the guy who's got the viewpoint. I'd take him down and, and then other people would join in and I'd be a hero. Be They'd make a movie about me. Wow. You see, I'm having trouble with this because to answer this properly, I would have to be able to visualise myself going into a bank and I actually can't remember the last time I did <laughs> that. That is so true. I never go into a bank either. My this only interaction quiz. with the bank <laughs> is trying to remember what the third, fifth and ninth digits of the <laughs> mysterious password that Brilliant. I created a long time ago are. Uh, yeah, so that that's quite hard. But I, I think I would probably just just let it let it happen and pass me by. Or no, the mobile phone one. The mobile phone one. Because yeah. they are the, surely the solution to everything. Yes. So maybe I'd try and like tap a little message. Yeah. Well, I feel. I mean, yours is the more sensible, the sensible one, answer. But I mean, this is a quiz about bravery, so I feel like I have to keep Martin. Martin's going to get his photo in the in, in not, the, know, on the front paper. page. Making the... a movie about this now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, great. Well, small victories. Um, uh, I want to thank you, Kate, for everything you've given to the last four episodes. Uh, If you haven't heard them all, go back. It's all really different, really interesting, really helpful. Uh, This has been Brave from Headstrong, a podcast to help you think about how we help young people emerge healthily from the pandemic. We hope it's been really helpful. Uh, We'll see you soon. I've been Martin Saunders. She's been Kate Middleton. Goodbye. (laughs)